dots flash across the screen. A gun barrel is revealed while we see an end turn, shooting fire, and blood coming down the screen. scuba diver emerges out of the water this man hits a guard and knocks him out and starts to run to a building opens a door to reveal a laboratory inside. He starts to lay out plastic explosive. Obviously the intent is to blow up the building. the building, bomb in place, takes off his scuba suit to reveal a tuxedo underneath, complete with carnation. The beginning of the classic James Bond film Goldfinger, released in 1964. Can you possibly imagine that that scene, that film, any film, without music. That's what this program is going to be all about. Hi, my, my name is Frank Wilson, and welcome to What's the Score? A show devoted to uh, film scores from, uh, I guess you might call the Silver Era, uh, basically from the 1960s all up to 2000. Let me be clear, I'm not a music expert, far from it, but I've loved movie music since I was a little boy. As you might have been able to surmise, I started my love of film music through the James Bond films, and in particular the composer John Barry. And truth be told, this program will focus a lot on the music of John Barry because that's where most of my affection lies. But there are other great film scores and composers out there that we will talk about over the course of the year on this program, and I hope that you'll join us and discover the magic of music in the movies and just how much they can add to a film. I've seen good films made better by good scores. I've seen bad films made tolerable by good scores. 
And we'll talk about all those. And all the composers, some of which you may be familiar with and others that you may not. And we may play cues from uh, films that you are familiar with and others you'll say, what is that? Where does that come from? I hope it'll be a journey for you where you'll be able to discover the gems that are out there and that this music is something that deserves to be heard and played and to help you relive the film again without actually having to watch it. So I hope you'll join me on this journey and enjoy film scores as much as I do. Let's go ahead and get started. The uh, first piece I'd like to play comes from a very well-known composer that many of you know. Uh, his name is John Williams. John has, uh, goodness, been composing for, what, 60 years, something like that, and still going strong. He started out as a kind of a contract composer, if I'm not mistaken, at a studio in Hollywood where he did a lot of scores for TV shows, uh, some I hope we get to play at some point. In those days, he was known as Johnny Williams. But John Williams now has uh, reached the pinnacle of his profession, has garnered so many nominations, too many uh, to recall Oscar nominations, and I believe he's won five Oscars. This piece I want to play, this cue, is actually the end titles from uh, one of his more famous uh, films, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which includes not only the, the so-called indie theme, but also... Uh, the love theme from the movie as well. And it really is kind of almost like an overture, if you will, of the entire score. Uh, I just love listening to it, and I hope you do as well. Give it a listen here. This is the end titles from Raiders of the Lost Ark.
That was the end titles from Raiders of the Lost Ark, composed by John Williams. Another favorite composer of mine is Jerry Goldsmith, and Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams are kind of from a similar vein in the fact that they worked in the early parts of their career in television, wrote an incredible amount of music. Uh, Jerry worked for decades as well and worked on films such as uh, Sand Pebbles, The Blue Max, uh, Basic Instinct, Russia House, Alien, all across the board. And like John Barry, was really strong on, on melody in a lot of his scores. The one I want to play for you now is really interesting, and it's a good example of how a lot of times music, and in particular a main theme for a, a film, can tell the story, or at least give you a preview of what you're about to about to see. Capricorn One was a movie that came out in 1978. Uh, it was a movie that had a lot to do with the uh, twists and turns. It its overall theme was deception and how the characters were dealing with the fact that they were participating in this deception and having to reconcile themselves with continuing on with the deception or maybe finally coming to their senses and saying this isn't right. The main title did a really good job of illustrating that uh, and really set the tone for the entire film. Uh, and this music and variations of it uh, were used uh, throughout the score. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. This is the main titles from the 1978 film Capricorn One.
That was the main titles from Capricorn One, composed by Jerry Goldsmith. And my love of film music goes beyond just kind of traditional orchestral sounds. There'll be a couple of examples today, and this one coming up is one of them that isn't really traditional. But then again, the film wasn't really traditional either. Uh, the film is Wild Things, uh, composed by George Clinton. I've not heard a lot of his work. Uh, I do know that he did a lot of the Austin Power films, and actually did a very nice job of recreating that uh, Bond sound or that John Barry sound for those films. Uh, but this thing was entirely different for Wild Things. Uh, what I'm going to play for you is the end titles from it which, once again, is kind of a nice uh, compilation, I guess, if you will, of some of the music that was uh, contained throughout the entire score. And it does really help tell the story of Wild Things. Uh, again, a lot of twists and turns and intrigue and surprises. Uh, and the music really helps share that message with you. So uh, listen along with me as we uh, hear the story as interpreted by George Clinton, the end titles from Wild Things.
was the end titles from Wild Things, composed by George Clinton. There are many composers that I want to highlight today, uh, far too many than I have time for. But we couldn't do this initial episode of What's the Score without mentioning Henry Mancini, a name that a lot of people recognize, uh, and certainly someone that brought film music to the forefront. A lot of people were exposed to film music thanks to the genius of Henry Mancini. He had many, many memorable themes. Uh, perhaps the one he might be best known for is the Pink Panther. And while we won't be playing that today, we will probably play it at a future date, uh, I wanted to play something that was very simple and elegant from a film he did uh, in the 1980s. Uh, it's well known that uh, Blake Edwards, the well-known writer and director of the Pink Panther movies, as well as some others, uh, was one of those people that whenever he did a film, he always knew automatically who was going to do the score. It was Henry Mancini. And whether it was a comedy or a drama or anything like that, almost all the time, with few exceptions, he would turn to Mancini to score the film. Uh, and this one was no different. This was a comedy, kind of a groundbreaking comedy for its time. Uh, as Julie Andrews used to explain it, she was a woman playing a man, pretending to be a woman playing a man, something to that effect. It was called Victor Victoria, and it was a romp. It was great fun. A lot of good laughs and a lot of good songs throughout the film because the main characters were performers in kind of vaudeville in Paris in the 1930s. Uh, this was the main title with no words, just the music part of it called Crazy World. But uh, And while it may not tell the story, so to speak, I do think it helps set the mood of the film, uh, which is a farce and a, a big-time comedy. Uh, but helps set the scene for the fact that it takes place in Paris. Uh, and I just love this music. And in fact, uh, loved it so much that my wife and I danced to it uh, at our wedding for our first dance, which tells you how much it means to me. So have a listen. This is the main titles from the Blake Edwards film Victor Victoria, composed by Henry Mancini.
I love that music. Uh, obviously, has many fond memories for me. So my connection to listening to it is twofold. One, remembering a really great film, but also my wedding day as well. That was uh, the main titles from Victor Victoria, composed by the maestro Henry Mancini. As I told you, we would be listening to a wide variety of things today, and our, our next cue is exactly that. There was a great film I saw a number of years ago that had uh, Al Pacino in it. And a young man uh, whose name escapes me at the moment that was it was his first role. Uh, he just absolutely nailed it. The film was called Scent of a Woman, and it had a an extremely unique score written by Thomas Newman, uh, who is interesting in his own right because he has a uh, what a brother or a cousin that's a, a film composer and pop star, Randy Newman. He also had an uncle and a father that were in film music as well, so he comes from great pedigree. Uh, and he did something that was rather unique in terms of its sound uh, for Scent of a Woman. And it actually became kind of his, uh, his hallmark. Usually he does his best work when he's composing music that has this same type of sound. Heavy use of percussion and uh, quirky, I think, is a word that comes to mind for me, but, but it works. Certainly for this film it did. So uh, join me in listening to the main theme from... Scent of a Woman, composed by Thomas Newman.
That's Thomas Newman's Scent of a Woman. And by the way, I uh, was able to look it up, and it was Chris O'Donnell, uh, his first major role, uh, started in Scent of a Woman. Now he's a very successful actor that uh, I think is currently appearing on uh, television in uh, NCIS Los Angeles. So Scent of a Woman was a, uh, a great kickoff for him. Listen, folks, it's uh, it's pretty obvious that a program like this can't come together unless we have uh, support and sponsorship. And I want to take an opportunity to thank two sponsors, one being uh, uh, called Bork Machine Dynamics. That's spelled B-O-R-E-K. Uh, these folks are located in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. I uh, know them well, given the fact that I live in Louisiana. It's a family-run business that... Uh, makes all kinds of custom-made uh, custom uh, signs, uh, can even custom-design uh, auto parts that are hard to find. They're, they're really someone that can help you with any kind of metal fabrication need you might have, no matter where you live. You don't have to live in Louisiana to be able to use their services. So I want to encourage you to visit Bork Machine Dynamics. Uh, you can find their information on our website, or you can visit BorkDynamics.com. That's B-O-R-E-K. BorkDynamics.com to get more information. And our other sponsor that's helping us put this program on uh, is a fabulous gun store here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, by the name of Ford's Firearms. It's quite frankly the most luxurious and beautiful-looking gun store I've ever been in. Ford's Firearms. Uh, takes great pride in preserving the history of firearms, not only in the history of the United States and what it's meant to us, but also in some of the clever engineering that has taken place over the years of how firearms developed. It's almost like stepping into a museum, and yet they have uh, things for all tastes and all needs uh, at their store, as well as being able to do custom builds for anyone, anywhere. Uh, I want to encourage you to visit their store in Baton Rouge on Sherwood Forest Boulevard. And to get more information, whether you live here or not, you can certainly visit their website, which is FordsFirearms.com. That's FordsFirearms.com. Please support both our sponsors. They help make this program possible. Now, continuing on our journey of a, of a wide variety of different styles and movies and sounds from the movies, uh, this next one is from someone that's not really known as a film composer, and I, I don't know if I would classify him as one, yet he's done some interesting work for his own films. Uh, he has composed music for his own films, and, and uh, this was, I think, maybe the second or third time he had attempted it. Uh, the gentleman's name is John Carpenter and was known for, uh, uh, most notably, I think, for movies like uh, Halloween and The Fog. But he also did another one that has a, a cult following, and he did the score for this, and it was very effective. The movie was called Escape from New York, and what I'd like to play for you are the main titles from it, which, uh, again, kind of help tell the story of what you're going to see, a very dark-looking, dark-feeling movie about, uh, well, the future at least as he saw it potentially could be, uh, the fact that Manhattan had become a prison um, guarded by water uh, and 
Only one man could get into this prison and get out alive with the intent of actually rescuing the President of the United States who had unfortunately crashed in the middle of this prison on Manhattan. It's a great story. Uh, and the music really added to it. So have a listen. This is the main title from the movie John Carpenter's Escape from New York.
That was John Carpenter's composition for the main titles of his film, Escape from New York. I love discovering new sounds and new composers. Although I must admit, for some reason, I'm just not getting it these days. Or maybe I just don't see films as much as I used to. But I remember the first time I saw this film, I said, Wow, who's this guy composing this music? He went on to do many other scores, and I think is still actively composing. His name was uh, Alan Silvestri. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. And the film was Romancing the Stone. It had a whole new sound to it. Again, a lot of use of percussion and saxophone and all kinds of different instruments and different arrangements. Uh, and it was a... It was a romantic comedy, a rom-com, I guess, if you will. Uh, and he seemed to capture it just perfectly. Not only for the film itself, but the time in the mid-80s. It just seemed to really work really well. The CD with the music was only just recently released. And uh, we're all the better for it, because at least now it's out there. For a long time, it wasn't. What I'd like to play for you are the in titles again because I think it does a really nice job of summarizing the sound and the scope of the score to give you a real sense of what it was like uh, and I think you'll enjoy it again this is the uh, the end titles from a movie called Romancing the Stone composed by Alan Silvestri
That was the end titles from uh, Romancing the Stone. Hope you enjoyed that. Our next selection is a particular favorite of mine, and it goes back to my favorite composer that I've already mentioned, John Barry. John Barry was an Englishman that uh, actually was a pop star before he was a film composer. He was a very popular pop star in, in England. Got his first break with uh, scoring films uh, for an Adam Faith movie. It's kind of a, I don't know how you almost like a James Dean type of movie called Beat Girl. From there, it was a dream of his always to compose for scores, and we'll save it for another time, but he ended up being the go-to composer for the James Bond films uh, for a number of years. Ended up scoring 11, uh, 11 of the films in total. What was interesting, it was in 1968 when Sean Connery had said, never again, I'm not doing another Bond film, I'm done. Uh, and the search was on for another actor to play James Bond. And the producers ended up choosing a little-known, not even an actor, really more of a model by the name of George Lazenby. And there was concerns that because he wasn't a name, uh, because he wasn't a polished or accomplished actor, that the film maybe needed a little bit more than a normal James Bond film in terms of its film score. And John Barry rose to the challenge. Uh, as he himself had admitted, it uh, is a fan favorite. Um, quite possibly could be the best of the film scores he ever did for James Bond. And I think part of that was, as Barry himself said, this was a new actor that nobody had any experience with. We wanted to make sure that people knew that it was a James Bond film. And so he basically scored the film almost over the top, if you will, uh, to really give it that that Bond sound. Uh, and I don't know the actual amount of time music appears in the film, but I'm going to guess it is one of the most heavily scored of the Bond films. Barry was typically very economical with his use of music, but in this case, the film is peppered with music all throughout. And he composed a great theme for this movie. And they'd had success with title songs, singers, uh, but this time, for whatever reason, probably because of the title, it's kind of hard to come up with a song that has the words on Her Majesty's Secret Service in it, uh, they decided to do an instrumental again. And he uh, composed a very powerful instrumental that was uh, used in various parts of the film uh, and does continue to be a fan favorite. So uh, I want you to sit back and relax and maybe not relax, maybe just consider yourself in the driver's seat of an Aston Martin chasing after Blofeld or, or maybe perhaps a, a beautiful woman as you hear this music and pretend that you yourself are James Bond, which is what the music really accomplished. Here is Honor Majesty's Secret Service, main title, for the, uh, the James Bond film in 1969, music composed by John Barry.
That was the theme from On Her Majesty's Secret Service, composed by John Barry. Again, as I've mentioned, we'll probably end up featuring a lot of his music, not just from the James Bond films, but the wide variety of films that he did throughout his career, as well as other composers, some of which we've highlighted today and some which we haven't. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try to produce a program a week uh, to highlight different scores that I think you might find enjoyable or something that you'll want to check out on your own, either just listening to the scores themselves or maybe even check out the movie if you haven't seen it before. The thing is, I want to share my passion of film music with all of you. I just think it's magical. These composers have been able to take images on a screen and add another layer to the story that really enhances it. In most cases, they enhance it. They don't overpower it, which is one of my concerns with scores these days that sometimes overpower the film. But the people that we'll highlight, you'll find, will highlight and enhance films, make them better than they could have been without it. And if you've ever been, I don't know if the word's fortunate, but if you've ever had the opportunity to, let's say, watch a rough cut of a film without music, it's amazing how dead it is. Music brings films alive. And what I hope this show will do is to illustrate exactly how that happens. To end our uh, broadcast today, I'm actually going to violate one of my rules and do uh, play something from past the year 2000 by another composer that is a favorite of mine, David Arnold, an Englishman who is, uh, to a large extent, taken over the role of John Barry on James Bond scores. He's done a number of them, not the last two, but uh, many of them before then. Uh, and he himself has a unique sound, uh, but still tries to incorporate John Barry and his music into the films that he's done. This is uh, from the uh, end titles of Quantum of Solace, which really has, this music really is not um, indicative of the score at all, but it's just, I just love it. I just think it's kind of neat. So it's a great way to end today's program. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. This is called uh, The End Crawl, composed by David Arnold. Let's have a listen.
You've been listening to What's the Score with your host, Frank Wilson. I hope you'll be in touch with me to let let me know uh, what you might like to hear in the future. I'll be happy to play it if I can find it. With that, we'll see you next time.